0: Welcome to Care of Souls, a podcast of 180 Ministries, where Dr. Stuart Scott serves as the Executive Director. 180 Ministries equips local churches with biblical counseling by offering counseling, education, and consulting services. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about how we can serve you. This podcast is being recorded in cooperation with the Masters University, where Dr. Scott also serves as a Professor of Biblical Counseling. Visit their website at masters.edu to learn more about their programs in biblical counseling.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Care of Souls podcast. It's a blessing to be here again with Pastor Adam and Dr. Scott to discuss the next episode in our series, which is Increase and Abound in Love for One Another, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, which says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you. What do you think about this one, guys? Hmm.
2: Wow, what a blessing to talk about love today. Mm -hmm. Lots of one another's, but in many ways, we kind of say that this one, loving one another, is in a way a summary of them all.
3: Yeah, I I would agree.
2: Loving one another is so key. To the Christian life, and I'm curious, Dr. Scott, what are your thoughts about what's going on here in First Thessalonians 3, 12? What kind of maybe is in Paul's mind to help have him talk about increasing and abounding in love for one another?
3: You know, like um, the other epistles, and even the Gospels, uh, the loving God and then loving your neighbor, uh, all of the one another is right in that love your neighbor, yeah, uh, and expresses how to love your neighbor well, as Christ wants us to. But his theme of love it shows up in almost every one of the epistles, uh, the most important of the fruit of the Spirit almost. It's just, it, it, as you said, it encompasses all the way to mm. to manifest our care for one another. Mm-hmm. And here in this church, at the Church at Thessalonica, um, where several topics are addressed, and uh, we'll deal with another one on comfort that he deals with in this uh, letter as well. But uh, he seems to constantly bring back the gospel of God's love for us that should be motivating us to love one another. Mm. And it, it it covers so much. It helps everything move well. All, as you mentioned, all the one another's, it, it keeps us in harmony. It keeps us bearing one another's burdens. It keeps us praying for one another. All, all of them are sort of motivated and, and borne along by uh, God's love for us Uh, through Christ.
2: Mm, Amen. Well, when we think about love, we can't help but to think about some of these original words in the Greek that Mm -hmm. have been somewhat common Mm -hmm. in the Church. Most people are familiar with agape love, phileo love. Uh, Tell me, which one of these two is this particular love?
3: Uh, This is the agape. This is the uh, more of a committed kind of love for one another, Uh, a sacrificial care and commitment uh, it may involve feelings, it may not, because we're told to love our enemies, and usually mm. you don't have a whole lot of warm feelings <laughs> for someone who wants to kill you mm. uh, day in, day out. But this one is much more of a, a committed, a care uh, for one another to meet their true needs.
2: Okay. So the phileo love that we hear about in Scripture is more of a friendship love, mm-hmm. brotherly love, uh, to be there as a companion and as a, like a brother and encourager. You're saying this one is a little bit more of the committed, I'm here to serve you, encourage you, help you, even at the detriment of myself.
3: Yes, and this is a time, you know, apparently persecution was hitting this church, uh, and loved ones had died, so there were some mm-hmm. things he had to address on that end as well. But it, at First Peter, Peter did the same thing in a time of suffering and difficulty. Man, let love, in First Peter 4, 8, let love really excel. It seems when the pressure is on, uh, the friction between people mm. begins to escalate.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of tension, mm-hmm. a lot of difficulty, and in those moments, we need to be loving one another. Yeah. And you're saying that it's more of a commitment than an emotion. Maybe we should just talk for a moment about the balance between the two. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to have commitment to love, which is so duty-driven that we don't have any desire? Is there a place for that in the biblical concepts of love?
3: You know, that's um, we're not commanded to feel a certain way. Uh, God's not against, obviously, feelings. Yeah. But when you're told to love people... it in spite of uh, their situation, despite and in, in spite of what they may be—unsaved, uh, uh, your enemy, cursing you—our yeah. current feelings and uh, how we interpret love, oftentimes, that'll lead us astray. You yeah, know? the
2: contemporary interpretation is "I love you," meaning I'm feeling it right. and I'm desiring it. Right. And you're saying, "Hey, even if that's not there, right." The Bible, in this word agape, is calling you to make a commitment to show and care for somebody with this kind of love.
3: Yes, and the, and the thing that really helps us to do it for the right reason uh, and for the right goal is, again, reflecting on God's love for us through Christ. I mm. think of the Second Corinthians 5, where it's the love of Christ motivates us, uh, constrains us. Mm. Uh, if we're not thinking gospel... It'll get duty oriented. Mm-hmm. It'll be uh, we'll do what's right, but in a begrudging kind of way. Mm-hmm. Our motive will be tainted. Mm-hmm. It'll be misread. It won't accomplish what God wants to yeah. accomplish.
2: Well, even when we talk about God's love, like in John three sixteen, mm-hmm. God so loved the world. That's the word agape. Yeah. So it's a it's it's a commitment, and it's something that He demonstrates to us through the cross but we wouldn't say that God has no affection in his heart for his elect and for those he's calling out right. of darkness into light. Right. In the perfect world, then I guess we would say it is a commitment, but maybe as you're faithfully obeying the command to love, God also is enhancing you with an appreciation and some type of affection because it's being done for his glory.
3: Yes. The It seems like when you really do love asking God to help you love that person, and you're doing it with words and indeed hmm. the affections the especially the feelings and emotions tend to follow it's not a promise right but they tend to follow when i'm praying for someone that it's a very tough situation but i'm beginning to pray for their true needs uh that they might glorify god that i might glorify god th- there's like the warm affections and feelings begin to yeah, and that's such Follow. an
2: that's such an important aspect of biblical counseling, particularly I'm thinking about marriage counseling, yeah, where yeah. how many times have you had a husband and wife come in and say, I just don't love them anymore? Yeah. And in that moment, they're saying feeling, yeah. I don't feel like I love them anymore. And then how would you help correct them and and counsel them if that's how they presented?
3: Yeah, if if that's how they're interpreting love, which is a very popular uh definition, I'd want to help Uh, encourage them to be taught what the Scripture says, like 1 Corinthians 13 describes what true love is like and Mm -hmm. what it does and doesn't do, and and try to help uh, educate them with the Scriptures, and then let's practice that by the help of the Holy Spirit.
2: Okay. And and part of the big concept here is that love is not a noun or a feeling per se, but it's a verb. Talk to me about that.
3: Yeah, the the words that are used, especially describing love in First Corinthians thirteen, uh, as some will say, that's more motion than emotion. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't want to part the two, but it you get the idea. It's it's on the move. It's moving towards them in the right way, and it's uh, not moving towards them in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So what love is and isn't is motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's God loves us, and we know it because He sent His Son. It he demonstrated it. Right. You don't have to ask someone, do they love you? You can pretty much see it. I mean, it helps to have the words, Mm -hmm. but you can see the sacrificial actions from that person.
2: Yeah, you're going to see the the love in motion, like Mm -hmm. you're saying. And of course, 1 Corinthians, we're talking about chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient, Mm -hmm. verb, and kind, it's a verb. Love does not envy. Again, it's a verb or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things and believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. Hmm. So really, we're just never stop right. Right, loving somebody in this kind of way. So what do you say to the person who says, I'm trying to do that, but... I'm just having a real hard time because I've been so hurt, and I've, I have no uh, desire to really do that because I'm just, you know, in a bad place. They're just being honest with you. You're going to just continue to say, "Hey, do it anyway," and in time, ask God to change your heart, and in time, pray that He would give you a, a right attitude and maybe even transform your desires to where you actually want to do it.
3: Right. Yeah. It helping them look to Christ who continues to love us, uh, who are unlovely, especially Mm -hmm. when we were unsaved Mm -hmm. and we were enemies and hostile, and how he continues to love, Uh, I would think taking any hurt we have and pointing them to Christ and his sufferings, that even when he was suffering, he still actively loved, and you can see it in the Gospels, how he, Mm -hmm. he cared for people even when he was suffering. If we, if we get focused on our own hurts, we retreat. Uh, we, we begin to do what we're, what love is not. Mm-hmm. And it is only by the Spirit of God, uh, because there's a fruit of the Spirit, that we can actively move towards the person who may not be uh, that loving towards you, uh, could be an enemy, uh, someone who's coming at you with hostile intent, and I don't mean in an abusive situation in a marriage. That that you know we would definitely follow the legal guidelines and the police. But it, it helps you not nurse your hurts. Mm-hmm. Is I'm more concerned about their soul, their well-being, and God's glory than the offense that was done to me. Mm. It, it focus off of self, more on that other person and their need will help us move towards yeah,
2: you're getting to the point to where you're saying instead of thinking well nobody loves me right. you're thinking more like how can I love them yeah how can I show them the love of Christ? Because I have been loved by God. Right. I mean, God demonstrated His love toward me. Romans 5:8. That while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And because He saved my soul and transformed me, I want to go around loving others. Yes. I mean, who doesn't want to be known as a loving person? Right. I'd like to be known as that. You'd like to be known as that. And so that means that we've got to get busy doing what God's called us to do. Of course, in the power of the Spirit, and and in a, in a biblical way, not just in a surf, surface kind of way.
3: Yeah. And you know the Popular teachings today that have worked their way into the church really confuse the believer. Mm. You know, when you begin picking up books, um, for example, The Love Languages Mm -hmm. by Gary Chapman, or you pick up uh, Love and Respect, Mm. those are aspects Mm
2: -hmm.
3: uh, of demonstrating, you know, care for people. But for the most part, they're void of the Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. They're void of the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very dangerous to kind of move into a conditional, I will do this towards you, but I'd better get something back, mm. because that's relationships won't last long. And that it, way,
2: yeah, and then it's conditional on the That's behavior right. of the other person right. instead of looking to Christ. Yes, let's talk about maybe the first one you mentioned, Gary Chapman and the five love languages. That seems to be super accepted in our culture. And of course, when you hear the love languages, correct me if I'm wrong, Stuart, but isn't it like, hey, it's it's good for you to know how to love your wife or love your husband in a way that they would enjoy or desire to be Mm -hmm. loved. There's nothing wrong with that, right? And so if someone says, my love language is more talking to me face-to-face than it is, say, doing the dishes... That's good communication for a husband and wife to know, like, hey, it means more to my wife if I were to love her in a great conversation than just doing household chores. So she'd probably appreciate both, right?
3: See, that's the problem is you narrow it down to <laughs> my, my uh, yeah, the, the five love languages are uh, quality time, uh, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And you go, "Well, which one is is your love language?" Well, if it's receiving gifts, then <laughs> <laughs> then everybody who loves me needs to be giving me something. And it, it you just spoil the life out of somebody. It's it's not focused on their true needs. But you're right, it in ways that express care and affirmation at certain times. Yeah. And and that all changes. I would say uh all of those are probably true of people at different times. Yeah. I think at Christmas morning, you know, <laughs> most, people, most people are thinking, what did people get from exactly. me? Exactly. <laughs> or a birthday or yeah, an anniversary, that's right. that's Valentine's right. Day, people are
2: looking for gifts, right? <laughs> right. So we're saying that it's not as simple as just saying, I'm one of these, I'm part of all of these. But what we're saying, too, is that it's not like the person should be looking for that as the way that they are loved, because if they don't get that, then their day is ruined. Right. So, how would you help that person who can't, who's maybe coming out of a five love language type mentality? How do you, how do you um, maybe keep what's helpful from that? As you mentioned earlier, there's an aspect there that's important without kind of falling headlong into that kind of thinking.
3: Yeah, it's um, we need to be focused more on giving and loving than on getting. Okay. Because that's just the basic sinful flesh that we have. It's all self-oriented. So love, Christ-like love, is focused on how can I keep uh, caring for people around me? Uh, And then I would have to think through biblically, what is the best way, what is their need at the time, Mm -hmm. and how best to show Christ-like love in that time, not so much what they might want, but what's the need uh, that, that... you know, Scripture yeah. would inform us of, like, maybe it's not gifts at the time, maybe it's a word of admonition mm-hmm. uh, that's most needed, mm-hmm. but not, not most wanted.
2: Mm-hmm. So you, you're going to go beyond the surface into a biblical need, like you said, they need to be admonished, they need to be encouraged, mm-hmm. they need to be instructed, they need to be forgiven. Uh, those are the things we want to focus on, not just kind of scratching the surface.
3: right. And the thing with the love language is, and one of the best, uh, I think, reviews of that book that I've read is Dr. David Paulson, who uh, talked about some strengths uh, of thinking through those uh, ways to uh, manifest love towards other people. And he, he said that, I'll do this for you if you do this for me, is kind of what the book is teaching. And he said, you know, unbelievers can do that that's Mm -hmm. a basic unbeliever loving an unbeliever. And he said, but in Christ, God's called us to an unconditional love Mm -hmm. that goes deeper into the soul of a person on what is their their true need before God and takes us in a whole different way. And that book has no gospel in it. I think it doesn't even mention the Bible. It's not centered on scripture. It's not defining love biblically. It's not a drawing you to Christ and His love for us—it's—it's it's just missing mm. the gospel. So it's—it's it's good to uh, show some expressions, mm-hmm. but it's not good if you're going to define love biblically and then how to love biblically. Mm.
2: There's a whole lot of reprogramming in our thinking, isn't yeah. it? Just to go for that which means the most to God and His Word versus just a popular psycholog- psychologized uh, thought mm-hmm. of like, just how can I love you? Yeah. Uh, talk to me about the other book that you mentioned, Love and Respect. What's kind of the premise of that book and what would your critique of that one be?
3: Well, um, he starts out in his book that scientific research confirms that love and respect are the foundational uh, foundation to successful marriage. And I'm going, <laughs> I don't know that that would be my premise of... Uh, and what does he reference uh, as his scientific I, I don't, research? I don't remember. What, uh, Maybe
2: just like a social science uh, based on interviews? Uh, or does he have some lab work there?
3: You know, <laughs> I don't know who he quotes or if he just says it... Um, makes mention of it. I'm not sure if he actually has a reference for yeah. it.
2: And then, of course, he probably jumps to Ephesians 5 right. and says love and respect is mentioned there. So talk to me about how we're to discern biblically what Ephesians 5 is about and what he's saying.
3: Well, it it does say, for husbands to love your wife and wives to respect her husband. But it also says uh, husbands are to, to honor and respect all. Mm-hmm. Not, not It's not just a woman to a man. Mm-hmm. It's all of God's people need to honor and respect one another, mm-hmm. and then all of God's children are to love one another right. sacrificially. In That's Ephesians right. five one and two, so it's it's reducing all the many expressions that a husband has towards his wife and roles, responsibilities, and all of the things that the Scripture teaches a wife yeah. and how her and trying to reduce it to one
2: right, almost like he's saying, "Hey, if you really want me to love you." a husband may say to his wife, then I need you to respect me. And if you respect me the way I would like to be respected, then I will be able to love you. And then the flip is also true for the wife. She may say, well, my greatest need is to be loved. So if you love me the way that you should be loving me, then I'll be able to respect you. But I can't respect a man who doesn't love me. So if they're in that kind of conversation after reading the book, how would you help that couple kind of work through that?
3: Well, and as you were um, summarizing it, which is accurate, uh, it's like the five love languages, but it's reduced to two. <laughs> it's a two love language. Yeah, uh, each one has one, and it, I mean, it just it's the five reduced to to two. And then the husband has, uh, you know, if he does this, then she'll do this. And and I think that the solution is always taking people to Christ and the gospel. It, they're thinking so horizontally. Mm. That they're missing the vertical dimension of in Christ for the glory of God by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, amongst other believers in the church is like all that's missing. Yeah. And it's, it's missing in the book too. Wow. Uh, I, I mean,
2: in other words, you would say, hey, you need to look to God's word, and God's word says for you as a husband, you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church. So it doesn't give a condition in that moment about, oh, if she respects you. Right. So you're saying whether she respects you or not this is what God's called you to do, and you can only accomplish this by you looking to Christ yes. and being filled with his power so that you can do what God's called you to do, whether she ever respects you or not.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he writes uh, that uh, women have one driving need, you know, and husbands have one driving need and misses what the driving need is, is to be reconciled and forgiven with the Lord. The vertical's missing. Right. It's just one driving need, And that's to be met by their spouse. Mm. It's not even bringing Christ in to a person's walk, life, relationships. It's very man centered and very focused on one's temporary happiness. Yeah. Than one's holiness.
2: Well, let's take the flip side. Let's say there's a really staunchly biblically trained couple who knows their roles and responsibilities so well, Mm -hmm. and so they are going to Christ, and they know the doctrine of justification and the doctrine of sanctification, and they understand all of that to a T. But the problem maybe with that couple is they're not showing any practical, emotional, uh, touchy-feely interaction between them. So how would you counsel them?
3: And that's a place where helping people to think through application. How might they, the doctrine they know, how might that be expressed in ways that are loving, meaningful, and needed by Mm. one's spouse? So it's like jump-starting. And and people can be pretty creative if they think it, you know, if they put their mind to it and think through uh, ways to care and just listen to the other person. Say, well, this is how during this time uh, of the month, this, this would be very helpful for me." Well, the guy just needs to listen, mm-hmm. and then try to adjust, and that's how he can most love her as Christ loves the Church. Thanks, guys. To
1: our listeners, how are you seeking to fulfill the commandment in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, to love one another, believers and unbelievers, in the same way that Jesus loved you? Remember that how you love others reflects on Christ, as you represent him. And think of at least one person you've neglected to love abundantly. Repent of your unloving attitude and think of specific ways you can demonstrate your love for God and others, keeping in mind that love is an action, not a feeling. Let your love for Christ and his word guide you, and your feelings will follow. May the Lord bless you as you seek to increase and abound in love for one another according to the truth. Until next time, take care.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Care of Souls. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by the truth from Scripture and are better equipped to serve Christ in His church. Visit our website at 180ministries.org to learn more about our resources and services. Until next time, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. May the Lord bless you as you abide in him.